0: This teaching comes to you from the team at St. Mark's, Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you.
1: Good morning, everyone. The, two reading, the first reading is taken from two portions of the Old Testament. The first one is from Deuteron- Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 19, and the second from Leviticus 19, 9-18 neither shall you steal. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap to the very edges of your field, or gather the gleanings of your harvest. You shall not strip your vineyard bare, or gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal, you shall not deal falsely, And you shall not lie to one another. And you shall not swear falsely by my name, profaming the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not defraud your neighbor. You shall not steal. And you shall not keep for yourself the wages of a laborer until morning. You shall not revile the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind. You shall fear your God I am the Lord. You shall not render a just unjust, unjust jud- judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. With justice you shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people and you shall not profit by the blood of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate in your heart any one of your kin You shall reprove your neighbour, or you will incur guilt yourself. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbour as yourself. I am the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Today's second reading is taken from... The Gospel of Matthew chapter 5 reading from verses 38 to 48. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil doer. For if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your father in heaven is perfect hear the word of the lord thanks be to god
2: father speak to us through your scriptures give us minds to welcome your word and wills determined to follow for jesus sake amen please be seated If you're uh, just uh, wandered in today we are in these weeks before Easter uh, going through the Ten Commandments. We don't preach on the Ten Commandments very often but uh, we're doing it this year and we're up to commandment number eight. A few years ago before we put a lock on our letterbox somebody stole our new credit card and ran up a bill of over $1,500 before the bank ran, rang me up and said uh, are you spending this money or someone else? And uh, that left us felt feeling extremely flat that uh, someone had stolen and then spent in our name. But the bank carries the bill and uh, wiped it out, so that made us feel a bit better, but it also helped to explain why the credit, uh, the interest rate on credit cards is about 20%. It's to cover all those. Three years ago, an extremely clever phone scammer wanted to put money into my account so I could use it as part of a police sting. And then as I looked at my online account, sure enough, $4,000 landed in my account. So I did as instructed and uh, forwarded the money to the person who uh, was going to be caught. Too late, I discovered that I was the one who'd been caught because he'd transferred that $4,000 into the account I was looking at from another one of my accounts. He'd stolen $4,000 and I felt both stupid and furious in equal quantities. 40 years ago, my then rector's warden had recently retired after 50 years working with the one manufacturing firm But he then learned, as he retired, that the company had used their workers' super fund in an unsuccessful and illegal attempt to prop up the company. They'd lost the lot. He had no super, not a cent. The bitter disappointment, the raging resentment and the daily lamenting that all his retirement dreams had been stolen was almost certainly a big contributor to his being dead within 18 months. Theft does terrible things to victims and victims sometimes respond volcanically. They are so offended. So 200 years ago, stealing a few loaves of bread or a bolt of cloth could get you transported to Botany Bay for seven years. Hershey Ali, the uh, Somali-born Yale University lecturer and author, grew up for a number of her childhood years in Arabia's capital in Riyadh. And she writes about the spot near her home where every Friday after uh, mosque uh, prayers were ended, thieves' hands were publicly hacked off with a sword in the place that her young brother decided to uh, rename Chop Chop Square. Every society that ever has been has had laws against stealing because of the huge destruction not only of victims' wealth but of victims' psyche. And so it's no surprise that God agrees and thou shalt not steal is one of the Ten Commandments. It's interesting four of the commandments actually are against stealing. Adultery, no stealing another man's wife, no false witness, that is stealing his reputation, no coveting anything, which is the first step of stealing. Uh, Here, thou shalt not steal, and you could even say thou shalt not kill, because that's stealing another person's life. Half the Ten Commandments are about stealing. You see where God's feeling sits Well but when we come to thou shalt not steal of course it it refers mainly to money and possessions. But the same principle as we saw in some of the sentences in that uh, first reading could also be included about bad behaviour that steals a newcomer's confidence perhaps or steals a friend's trust or steals a spouse's peace or steals a child's innocence thou shalt not steal. Stealing is taking something from its owner without permission. It is a sin and it can cause great grief as well as undeserved shortages. No wonder God is implacably opposed to stealing. However, I can imagine that when you heard that today's commandment was thou shalt not steal, you may have thought, ah, I'm safe today. If there's one commandment I don't have to worry about this must be it. I have no trouble not stealing. That's how I would have felt if I was and someone else was preaching and I'd rolled in today. But is that true that I have no trouble not stealing? Is it true when I fill in my tax return? Is it true Um, when I'm handed too much change? Is it true when I check the restaurant bill and notice that they forgot to include one item? Uh, Is it true when the tradesman suggests that it will be 30% cheaper if I pay cash, not check? Because he then won't have to include the money in his tax return. Is it true that I never steal from my boss by slacking off and wasting time if he's not around? Am I really so immune from stealing? Actually, I was not totally accurate when I said all societies have always had laws against stealing. Frequently, the law only applies to your own society. And raiding and robbing other tribes or nations was even considered good. For instance, in the Old Testament, a thousand years before Christ, we read, this interesting little comment on the sporting season of the time, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war. The main point of war, of course, was to rob. To rob wealth, to rob slaves, to rob herds, to rob grain, to rob land. God's Eighth Commandment often was not thought of as applying to strangers. And foreigners. Now six centuries after Jesus, Muhammad, who certainly knew of the Ten Commandments and uh, appreciated them, but he urged his followers to grow wealthy by raiding towns and cities that were not yet Muslim. It was even a duty, it was expected. So no wonder Islam became so popular so quickly, especially if you got killed in such pillaging, which often happened, as people defended themselves, you were then welcomed into heaven by a bevy of eager, dark-eyed virgins. Disastrously, medieval Christianity was not much better. One Pope-inspired Christian army on its way to the Crusades in the Holy Land had a training run torching and robbing the Christian city of Constantinople. And kings all over Christian Europe, where laws against stealing were both very clear and very strong, never seemed to think that the laws applied to them. Now, the point of mentioning these gloomy examples, of course, is to admit that we also might be as blind to the truth as they were. We too might be guilty of stealing. Maybe I'm breaking the Eighth Commandment too and not actually being aware of it. Or if I am not realising the seriousness of it, it sort of sits in the doesn't matter too much and everyone else does it category. Or it could be worse. Could you be tempted to be deliberately dishonest? Pause while you have an internal answer. Could you be tempted to be deliberately dishonest? And the answer, of course, is yes. History indicates that it's very possible. Now, in my limited experience, I can recall four highly trusted, very keen Christian leaders who succumbed to greed and gave way to temptation, stealing big sums, causing terrible strife. And these were all men admired for their strong faith. And they weren't actors, they were genuine. For instance, in the four months from September 1969, shares in a new mining company, Poseidon, rose from 80 cents each to $280 each. 350 times in four months. Thousands of people across Australia were putting their life savings and into shares and uh, if they were smart, they would sell out a few weeks later and be content with a fairly wonderful profit as the prices just went up and up and up. A young lawyer that I had known at school, uh, who was actually at the time a uh, Sunday school superintendent at a big Sydney parish, put not only his own money, of which he didn't have that much, but he also put his client's trust money into the shares. Just for a few days, but then the bubble burst. The price fell like a stone. He lost thousands of dollars of other people's trust money. He went to jail. Six years later, uh, the Skeggs Darlinghurst treasurer down the road fled overnight to Ecuador, didn't even tell his wife he was going because he was going with over a million dollars of school money. And the school was only saved by parents who rallied and dug deep and saved the day. More recently, the secretary manager of the Anglican Diocese of Newcastle also went to jail for robbing the church funds that he was paid to look after while the treasurer of one of Sydney's biggest and wealthiest parishes only a few years ago ran two sets of receipt books, diverting thousands of dollars of church donations each year into his own pocket. Now the point is, all four men were held in high respect and trust because they were obviously strong Christian men. All four, I think, have genuinely repented and are today, to the best of my knowledge, active church members. One at least has been able to repay everything that he stole. But the point is, never ever think, my faith's strong, I'll never steal. Humility and vigilance are vital. Now, every transaction is an open book to Jesus. And if I'm serious about do not steal, that's wise, because honesty is so important to God. Honesty in everything, not just money. Stealing will sour my relationship with God, whether it's stealing from an individual or stealing from the boss or stealing from the tax man. Thou shalt not steal covers the lot, full stop. Just interestingly and incidentally, this uh, issue raises the question over Western governments presently seizing the assets of Russian oligarchs. Those funds will presumably help pay for refugees from Ukraine and for rebuilding Ukrainian cities if uh, Russia fails to end up in control. Putin's Swiss bank account has been frozen, but If it is confiscated, will that be theft or a fine for causing such massive unwarranted grief? Doing something wrong to prevent a much bigger wrong is often fine, but such Robin Hood style instances are very rarely the right thing. Stealing to level things up is a very risky, especially for individuals. Thou shalt not steal. Never assume that you are immune, for it may be true that everyone has his price, even you. So how do we stop ourselves? Well, here's four steps. To help overcome temptation to steal when you don't think anyone will know. The first one is just to admit I could be tempted. And for sometimes, for me, that would be a big step. Uh, My father had a inbuilt integrity that uh, I'm still impressed with. And uh, to to be dishonest would be such an extraordinary disappointment for him. It's so built into my backbone. But to have to admit that I could be tempted is real, sensible, and uncomfortable. Admit, I could be tempted. Secondly, remind yourself, God knows. He's got, (laughs) there are no secrets from God. Stealing will mess up your prayers because God is liable to keep your stealing coming back into your memory every time you pray. And if you keep pushing it away, you end up pushing God away. Bad idea, very bad idea. Thirdly, deliberately take on the Bible's view of money and wealth and ambition and greed. Take on, do not steal. This is the word from God. Take on Jesus' word. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That pretty well puts an end to it. Or St Paul's insight, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And his other bit of relevant advice, be content. Or another thing that he said, thieves must give up stealing, rather work honestly so as to have something to share with the needy. Now those three things will be not surprising, but I want to fourthly suggest something that might be surprising in the fight against dishonesty. Enjoy being honest. Delight in being honest. Love being honest. 25 years ago, we were in a train ticket booking office at Frankfurt Airport in a bit of a rush to catch the connecting train across town to get the, uh, the intercity train out of Germany. And uh, I got our tickets and I was eager to get out and to find the platform when Pam presented me with a wad of Japanese yen that had been on the floor near her feet. Number of notes. Now, there was nobody near her. Uh, There were no Asian people in the room. Uh, Neither of us speak German. And I had a quick look and the yen, I thought were worth a couple of hundred dollars. A fair bit but not a disaster for whoever had lost it. And there was nobody going through their pockets in the room, checking around and looking. So we looked around, there were no obvious candidates, so we put the money in our pocket and raced off to catch the train. Now on the train, I realised I had miscalculated. The yen were not worth a couple of hundred dollars, they were worth a couple of thousand dollars. What somebody had lost really could have been extremely serious. Well, in the weeks afterwards, we gave a lot of it away, but I have always felt uncomfortable, and I still do today, quarter of a century later. What would Jesus have done? On the other hand, back home a few months later, I pulled up in a crowded car park, and uh, so I got out of the car, on the ground there was a bank money bag. I picked it up and there were loads of money in it, loads of notes. Plus, thank goodness, the bank withdrawal book from the company that had done the withdrawal, which told me it was the undertakers whom I was parked outside and whom I was going to see. So as I walked in, it was the pay for about a dozen of his employees. In the office, it was panic stations. They were ringing the bank, they were organising search parties, they were screaming at one another and the poor kid that had dropped it and lost it and didn't know where it was was in the most uncomfortable position I hope he ever is in his life. But when I handed the bag to the boss and he looked in, I can still see the look on his face and uh, at the same time it was all he could do not to hug me. Uh, Something our undertaker didn't normally do. This time I felt good. Uh, And the choice had been easy. If you've got a habit of talking with God, being honest with him and then not stealing from people often becomes easy because you've enjoyed being honest even in the most secret parts. And being honest is enjoyable. Learn to enjoy it. And now if I recall some stealing in the past, what do I do? Well, I admit it, I must confess it, I must apologise for it, and if at all possible, I must pay it back. That's the obvious steps. Because stealing takes away your peace. You're ashamed of yourself. Your self-respect disintegrates. You're offside with God. But being honest, on the other hand, is quite a thrill. Does wonders to your walk with God. I want to read a story that was uh, of an event that took place perhaps um, about the 1950s. It's in Uganda. Uh, the man writing the story, his name is uh, Festo Kavenjare. He later on became an Anglican bishop and a, a preacher around the world. At this stage, he's 19, he's a teacher, uh, not a Christian. And he is the, uh, the nephew of the local chief. We were a cattle people. To my tribe, cows were what made life worth living. By the time I was three, I knew the name of every one of my father's 120 cows, bulls and calves. Some men I knew thought more of their cattle than they did of their children. One day my uncle, the chief, was holding court. His elders were listening to his wisdom when a man arrived who was well known to be a pagan and wealthy in cattle. His servants had eight fine cows that they were driving along. All the elders turned to look at them appreciatively. The cattle baron greeted everyone and then said, Your Honour, I've come for a purpose. The chief answered, Fine. What are these cows for? Sir, they are yours. I have brought them back. What do you mean they're mine? Well, sir, when I was looking after your cattle, I stole four of them when I told you they'd been raided. These four are now eight. I've brought them to you. Who discovered this theft? Jesus did, sir, and he's given me peace and told me to bring them. There was dead silence. There was no laughter. It was a shock. My uncle could see that this man was rejoicing and all knew that what he had done was impossible for a man of our tribe. You can put me in prison, sir, or have me beaten, I deserve it, but I am at peace. And a free man now for the very first time. Huh, said my uncle. If God had done that for you, who am I to put you in prison? Leave the cattle and go home. A day or two later, when I saw my uncle, I said, oh, I hear you got eight new cows, free. Yes, it's true. You must be happy. Forget it. Since that man came, I can't sleep. If I wanted the peace he has, I would have to return a hundred (laughs) cows. One of the wonderful things about being honest is the door to peace is opened, and the thing about being dishonest is that the door to peace is slammed shut. Do not steal. Admit that you are not immune. Remind yourself God knows. Embrace the Bible's view of money and enjoy being honest. And so far as humanly possible, pay back what you stole. Thou shalt not steal.